According to Callus, and it is Thursday, the 28th of October. Where has the month, what has the year gone? It just seems like the other day was January, and yet here we are at the last week of the 10th month of the year. It's kind of shocking, if you will, but as they say, Time marches on and slows for nobody. This is going to be episode 149, and quite frankly, I have no idea what title I want to give it. Let's, for fun, let's call Think About the Future. Now, back in 1989, yes, I am old enough to have experienced that firsthand. It was a good year. We had the reboot of the Batman movies come out, and... Michael Keaton was stunningly good in his portrayal as both the Batman and Bruce Wayne. And the keynote character was the Joker by Jack Nicholson. And one of his catchphrases was, think about the future. And that's what I'm trying to do here and now. And I... Look at all the things that have gone on and all the different plays and chess moves and uh, bluffs and, you know, poker uh, uh, actions going on. And I just wonder, what's going to happen next? What direction are we going to be taking? And as always, my first concern is liberty. And how do I protect it? How do I preserve it? How do I expand it? And honestly, doing the same thing all the time has not netted us a lot of positive movement. You know, uh, you can take over a party, but if the party doesn't want to be taken over, you know, it can prove to be a challenge. You can take over a county. But if the county doesn't want to be taken over, you're going to be up for a challenge. You can relocate vast hordes of people to def... I don't want to say this. Destabilize an area. But if those people reject it, you're going to have problems. And the reality is, is all three have occurred in the last decade or so here in North Texas. I mean, we watched Dallas County flip. We watched as the things went sideways in Dallas County, and that march has begun north and west. I mean, Tarrant County is on the precipice of falling. Cowan County has had its own challenges, but I, I think we're going to be okay. I think we made some smart moves, and we, we have some good people in place that have prepared us for the future. And as we pivot from the domination, complete domination of the Republican Party, or if you prefer conservatism in Cowan County, and we look at the way they set up the new District 70 is to be the pivot point. We have to have a really good, solid candidate. We have to have somebody that's going to be young and dynamic and going to attract voters, people that are going to be willing to invest in that candidate. 
And as I think about the future and I look at 70 and the way it's laid out and where it's at, I know that a gentleman that I would call an acquaintance of mine, Mr. Hayden Paget, has thrown his hat in the ring. And I know that there's at least two other people that are thinking of throwing their hat in the ring. And for one, this is exciting because this is the launch of a new generation and a new seat. And a lot of options, if you will, for the county. Now, I know there are people that are going to detract each and every individual that throws their hat in the ring for 70. They're going to find something they don't like or they're going to find something that they really do right like. But of the announced candidates, and as far as I know, he's the only one, I can say he's a smart guy. I think quite highly of him. I am comfortable with the idea that he would make a great state rep for Cowan County. Now, is there somebody better? Maybe. Maybe. Do they live in District 70? There is the question. Are they willing to run? Even better question. And do they have a track record? And I would suggest to you that I don't know who that person would be. But honestly, Hayden ticks all those buttons, all those levers. And quite frankly, for me, he uh, beats the 70% test, right? Is it, if it's somebody I'm going to agree with 70% of the time, they're a solid candidate. So as Collin County looks to pivot forward, I think we're in a good stead. I think we should be happy about that. Now we've got a number of other you know, seats that are lining up to go for election. And honestly, there's still some pieces that need to fall in place. We just don't know who all the candidates are going to be for everything. And while there's a benefit to be said for jumping in early or being the first mover, there's also something to be said for waiting and trying to see what exactly that chessboard's going to look like. What is the layout going to be? So, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll find somebody else in 70 that's going to put up a good challenge. Now, the Democrats in Cowan County, they probably don't necessarily have an awesome candidate living in that district at this moment. I mean, it could be wrong. So that tends to lend me comfort that we'll have a good representative with an R after his or her name for the next two to four, maybe even six years. But this was the district that they made the pivot point. This was the district that they were allowing for the possibility we get a Democrat. So here's the thought. If you're a Democrat, is it more important to you to get somebody with a D after their name in there? In which case, do you run somebody that is a plausible moderate? So somebody that's towards the middle of the road? Or do you want your most radical, progressive, maybe like a Dallasite that relocates trying to run for that seat? I, I don't know. If you're if you're a Democrat, what's the right way to go? Is it better to put somebody in that you can, you know, make bow to your wishes but is on your team or is it better to run your pure campaign darling? And I don't mean anything by that other than just look looks good, sounds good 
and run the risk of losing that seat. I don't know. But something you might want to consider if we're on the other side of that aisle looking at what are the odds they're going to run somebody that's hardcore? What are the odds they're going to run somebody that is that moderate? That is that person that maybe swings a few more people to go vote for. But here's the other thing to consider. Is it possible the Democrats have just gone too far? Too full lefty? Too crazy, if you will. And I mean that just in the policies, not the uh, clinical definition. So is it possible that they won't be able to win that seat no matter who they run? I don't know. I mean, when you got the things going on in Dallas that we see, and apparently we're supposed to all be okay with that, and we... And we're not really sure what their points are, or, or for that matter, Austin. I mean, whether it was the legislature that eh, they did a decent job. I mean, let's be let's be fair. But the city in Austin, oh my gosh, they've just they've turned that into a shell of its former self, and the legislature tolerates it. I don't know why. I mean, the governor has to live there full time. You'd think he might care what they were doing to the city, but that's just me. Um, the other thing to consider, so we have 61. 61, we have three candidates that have announced thus far. Um, there's one or two more that are perhaps going to get in. Don't know who all those people are. They're, never know, you might have more. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with 70. But again, the pieces are moving. What are the odds that Drew Springer isn't going to draw a primary opponent? I mean, they redrew his district to make it maybe safer for him. I mean, they chopped out a good chunk of uh, Colin and they uh, probably made that as favorable for him as they could. But I mean, it's plausible, right? I mean, you could run another campaign, another primary. Do you think there's going to be anybody foolish enough to go after, I don't know, Senator Bob Hall? I can't imagine that you would. I know uh, the very esteemable uh, Brian Slayton is expecting multiple primary challengers. Isn't that something? The one guy that had the stones to stand and do the right thing and call a spade a spade and, you know, actually be a solid conservative is going to get attacked by the own his own party. Quite frankly, I'm really disappointed by that. But, you know, when you uh, poke at the governor, <laughs> he has ways of getting back at you. But, in case anybody's wondering, I 100% wouldn't support Brian Slayton if he uh, gets a challenger. I think he's been an awesome state rep and an example to our state reps in many ways. Which, I mean, we need more of them. And then we've got... The lieutenant governor's race, right? This one should be highly interesting. So Aaron Sorrells, young guy, I've met him a couple times, pretty impressive. But he's running a, you know, he's running his campaign against the lieutenant governor, and he can't even get the lieutenant governor to pretend he exists. But now we got Daniel Miller that jumped in. Daniel Miller's got a little bit more following, maybe a little bit deeper pockets. Definitely going to cause the. Lieutenant Governor have to get off his butt and do something. This is going to be highly entertaining. 
highly educational. Now there's not going to be one challenger, there's two challengers. And the challengers are kind of similar, but not entirely. So you've, you've got a little bit of different flavor there to offset Lieutenant Dan. I'm very excited about that. And we all know about the governor's race. So then you got the AG's race. And this one's, this is kind of a little interesting here. So you got Matt Krause running against the current AG. That would be Paxton. Matt Krause seems to be very similar background. Maybe a little less baggage, but is he better? Don't know. Pretty happy with what Paxton's been doing. And then you got George P. Yeah. I think I'll paraphrase uh, Jesse Jackson. Got to stay out of them bushes. We don't need another bush of any name in any higher elected office in this state. Or any state. And certainly not in D.C. Talk about the leader of the letdown brigade. Oh my gosh. I can't think of any other interesting races, but again, as we as we go forward and we see how it's maybe a perhaps changing of a guard, maybe a handoff, maybe the tilt towards the younger generation, maybe a little bit more liberty oriented, maybe. But judging by the way that the parties decided to go after Brian Slayton, <laughs> let's not hold our breath. But who knows what comes next? I mean, even here in Collin County, as of right now, all the candidates on the Republican side for the county offices don't have challengers, which is a good thing. I mean, I I think they've done a very good job, and why would you want to challenge somebody that's doing a good job? If they're doing a moderate job or a mediocre job, yeah, then then they open themselves up and you know, fine. And I really don't have any fault for somebody that wants to primary somebody they think is doing a bad job. But objectively, our commissioner's court's been rock solid. And, you know, I I guess there's perhaps somebody that's going to throw their hat in the ring for JP or something along those lines. And again, that's interesting. I mean, I've got to meet the uh, JP for one here. Seems like a pretty good guy, solid. But again, I mean, do we really know these people? We just go in, we see somebody with an R after them, and we trust their good guy or good lady. Is that the best way to do this? I don't know. And as we go forward, perhaps maybe we ought to take a little more time to actually look at who's running beyond just the letter after their name. When Trump ran, uh, there were a lot of us back in 2016 that were like, who is this guy? I'm really uncomfortable with him claiming to be a Republican, much less a conservative. But he really didn't. He said I'm a Republican, but he lived in New York. So he funded a lot of non-Republican things. But, I mean, he, I, I think the best example I could see is somebody said he was a 1960s Democrat. And a lot of policies. And it's hard to find fault with that. And I want to say it was Brian McClanahan, but it could have been Tom Woods. And it's hard to find fault with that analysis. And I think right about now, 
most of America would be quite comfortable with a 1960s Democrat. By that, I mean like prior to 64. But, in, in presumably from the North, but we'll just leave that one alone. Most of America would probably be very comfortable with that. The Democrat Party seems to be utterly lost, and the Republican Party just... At least at a national level. I don't know what their situation is. But here in Collin County, we seem to be in good shape. Even in the state of Texas, we seem to be in good shape. And as we look towards the future, at least in theory, we're going to gain a few seats. In the state Senate, perhaps. And certainly, hopefully, in the state house. And maybe those people will show up and do the work. Maybe we won't have to worry about a bunch of people fleeing to another state or to D.C. again. I don't know, but I find it very interesting that all of that is completely acceptable. And the reason why we know it's acceptable is because nothing was done to punish them for their behavior. That's completely acceptable, but apparently at the local level, if you go and show up to protest at a school board meeting, they won't even let you carry a sign. So, now that I've spent the first 15 minutes or so talking about the future of Republican slash Colin things, let me pivot. While we're thinking about the future, McKinney ISD and their president and whoever the second in command is over there really are doing their level best to stifle dissent. They're Limiting people's participation. They're almost being opaque in the way they're doing things. So this last week I was at the city, or I'm sorry, city council, uh, the school board meeting. And I reminded them that they take an oath when they take the office. And then when they recite the pledge at the beginning It's supposed to guarantee liberty and justice for all. And it's very hard to guarantee that liberty when you're violating the First Amendment. Which when you limit the way that people can express themselves, claiming that it's disruptive, is violating the First Amendment. This is, after all, quote-unquote, a public school or a government entity on public land holding a public meeting that's supposed to be open to the general public. And if people want to go there with a sign, that really shouldn't be an issue at all. So I got up and I spoke and I said, hey, look, you ought not be doing this because you're violating the very oath. You're basically contradicting the Pledge of Allegiance that you recite at the beginning of your meeting. You're telling the people that we say these things, but we don't mean them. In fact, we mean the exact opposite. And the way that we know that is because you're violating people's liberty. As a matter of fact, there was a lady there who, um, contrary to my agree or disagree with the content of her message on both her t-shirt and her face mask, I applaud her and I applauded her publicly in front of the school board for complying with the letter of the law, i.e. no signage, but flagrantly flagrantly 
disregarding the spirit of the law by wearing message clothing. I applauded her for that. Whether or not I agree with the message is irrelevant. She played that right. I would tell my conservative Republican Christian brethren and sisters out there at the next city council meeting, at the next school board meeting, at the next any meeting, if they want to take away your signs, wear a t-shirt with a sign on it. Wear something over your face if you are the mask wearing folks and put a message on that. I'd like to see what they do next. Or better yet, at the next school board meeting, I don't know, let's have 8, 10, 12 of us show up carrying a sign. Yes, this is conspiracy to commit a crime now. So, oh, wait a minute. They don't make laws, so they can't create crimes. Hmm. So, in any case, I would suggest that we hand out placards with various versions of don't violate my Bill of Rights, don't stomp on the First Amendment, recognize the rights, certain variations of that, and show up. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to be rude. As a matter of fact, it's best to not create an altercation, but just carry the sign in, or or better yet, put something around your neck to hold the sign. Well, now you're wearing it. It's a little bit more challenging now, right? That's a gray area there. And somebody needs to record it. See, I already warned them they're going to probably face a lawsuit if they keep this up because they don't have the authority to make up capricious and inappropriate rules like this. They don't get to violate the Constitution because they're scared. It's a public meeting and the public needs to be there and the public needs to be able to interact. And you will even note that the city council didn't do that. Indeed, a couple of years back when they tried to affect change on the way signs were put out, they were pretty much brought to heel by a lawsuit. You cannot restrict the First Amendment. So I but the, gave them fair warning. If you keep this up, somebody's going to sue you. Somebody that's got time and money to burn is going to sue the school district. The sad thing is, is there's going to be no cost, no punishment to the school board president or even the superintendent for that matter for this bad policy. No, we, the taxpayers are going to pay for it. So we're going to punish ourselves, but at least then we'll get the point across, right? Just don't comply. These stupid rules don't have teeth. They're inappropriate. They're unconstitutional. And honestly, if the police achieve, or the chief of police, wow, police of chief, the chief of the police were really interested in upholding the law, he would instruct the school board that while you have a right to maintain order, you don't have a right to abridge the people's right to peaceably assemble, the right to demand a regress of grievances, which is what that was going on there. And they have the freedom to speak. And part of redress is speaking and being addressing the authority in a way that tells them you're wrong and you can't do this anymore. And while they're 
trying to avoid conflict, I think they're actually bringing more conflict upon them. Now, fortunately, I happen to know that the school board is not a unanimous board on this. That there is a little dissent. They're not all in a total agreement with how this is going on. And we need to let those board members know that are a little squishy that we're not going to tolerate this. This is not acceptable. I mean, you could say what you want about the mayor, but I don't think the mayor did anything like this. And he generally doesn't like anybody to disagree with him about anything. And I, I get it, you know. There's a certain amount of ego with elected office. And it's to be understood. So I'd like to know, what is it that being the president of the school board offers? You don't make law. You don't make rules that are enforceable. You establish policy and you dictate how things are spent. But you don't get to abridge the First Amendment. There's a cost to that. The cost should be the seat. The cost should be that person should be faced with multiple people running after that seat. She's going to be up for election not too long from now. And I would suggest if you're in McKinney ISD, you look to find somebody to run against her. And her number two. Because clearly they don't care about what you think and what you want. Oh, and by the way, the lady that went to speak about the... Um, I believe it was SHAD, which would be Student Health Advisory Group, was basically told that even though there are rules, they don't have to pay attention to those rules. Was basically told that, oh, well, if you're not going to show up, then we're not going to worry about it. But they're not even doing the basic things that somebody would do to announce and to share information that these groups are going on. And that's what she brought up. She reminded them, well, you, there's no notification out. Nobody knows about this stuff. And you've got three members of the same family on an advisory. You've got teachers and uh, employees of the school district that violate the percentage of which they can represent on there. And you're okay with that? Well, the rules don't really apply when... You don't want them to. Again, this is just another example of the rules are for the, not for we, in this school district. And this is a real easy, simple fix. We just need to bump one or two of them off this next cycle, or maybe we get all three. I mean, these people have been there forever, and what have they done other than allow the school district to go from an A to a B? They allow all sorts of, let's just say, tolerate all sorts of bad things occurring within the school district and the schools because they don't hold the people accountable that they should be holding accountable. I'm just going to suggest to you that you investigate in this situation on your own. You draw your own conclusions and if you think, hey, Callis, you got this wrong. Please let me know. If you think, well, According to you, this is a problem, but I don't really think it's a problem. That's fine. Let me know. But if you come to the conclusion that, hey, where there's smoke, there may very well be fire. Well, there are symptoms of sickness. 
we probably ought to diagnose what the cause or the malady is. So I'd encourage you, take the time, take the effort. I would imagine you can draw conclusions within about 20 or 30 minutes, or at least a few phone calls. And hey, I get everything second, third hand, and I know about it. And I spent the last 16 years in Frisco ISD, and oh, it had its problems, but McKinney ISD, man, they're just something else. But I'm here now, and I'm not going anywhere. And I don't work for the school district. And quite frankly, I might just have to make it my mission in life for the next, I don't know, six, eight months to just tell people about the little things I hear and encourage you to do your own research. And then just ask yourself, are these really the people we want running the school district? And that's how you think about the future because your children, your grandchildren are the future and what they're pouring in those little skulls full of mush to borrow Rush's term should be of major concern to you. And yeah, there are other solutions, but for today, that's it for this episode. This is According to Callus. I will see you on the other side.